Hi everyone, welcome to Legends of the Spire. My name's Dave, great to have you with us. This is the podcast where I speak to the former players and managers of Chesterfield Football Club uh, about their careers in football and beyond it as well. On the podcast this week, I spoke to Bob Newton. Uh, now, Bob's uh, sleeves are absolutely stuffed full of funny stories, so I always expected it to be an amusing one today, and I'm sure you'll find it as entertaining uh, to listen to as I did recording it with him. Um, he joined Chesterfield in the mid-1980s, and was part of that title-winning team under John Duncan. Uh, before Chesterfield, he had spells at clubs like Huddersfield and Hartlepool, also a spell in America too. Uh, and this podcast is well worth listening to just for the Franz Beckenbauer story alone uh, from when he was in America, um, as it really cracked me up. Uh, as always, we are at Spire Legends uh, on Twitter and Instagram, Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so do get in touch. There's also some John Duncan pin badges and 1994-95 scarves in the Legends of the Spire Etsy shop, so please do check it out. So, here we are with a proper fans player, uh, a player that re had a real affinity with the fans, uh, almost like having someone from the stands on the pitch every match. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we are with the latest episode with Bob Newton. So it's it's interesting. You're a you're a Chesterfield boy, aren't you? But you, but you ended up coming. Born and bred. Yeah, I was, I was I was born at a village called New Ufton. Hmm. Uh, it's in between Mansfield and Chesterfield. We haven't got a village in it. We take it in turns. But uh, you know, it's a it's a mining village, and uh, you know, being a footballer from there, I'm not the only footballer from the village. Actually, another lad was Pete Morris. Uh, another lad was Don Weston. Uh, so, you know, we've got a good pedigree following those guys. And as I say, it's a mining village. My dad was a trucker and my mum worked at the co-op. So, you know, from an ordinary working class family, mate. Yeah. So, so was football always your kind of thing then? Not really. Um, I, as I say, my dad, uh, my dad was an old wagon driver, as they call him. And I, I do like my old trucks to this day. Hmm. Uh, and I took to football... When I was about uh, nine, ten, and um, what actually spurred me on was probably, you know, I stood out at, at the junior school and the uh, teacher, the sports teacher, Mr. Binsey, didn't pick me for Dolly Valley. That was about four, four schools in the area. And I thought, right, I'll show you. And uh, that's how I, that's, I'm a bit determined like that. And I did show him. So that's all you need sometimes, isn't it? One person. Sometimes you need a spare, and I always, <clears throat> I always think that way. The young lads, when the young pros, you see them, and that's why I try to give them the encouragement and uh, and the support they need if I ever talk to them and that because, oh, you know, it's that little spark, and it can make you go from there to there. Mm. So you know, that's that's the way I, I used to do it. Did you ever su support like a team then growing up or anything like that? Yeah, Newport County. Uh, the, I'm, I'm, I'm a bugger for the uh, for the underdogs. And uh, Newport County was always bottom of the league and I, I supported them. But I used to go and watch Mansfield and Chesterfield and sometimes more Mansfield, to be quite honest, because, uh, as I say, from a working class family and the bus fare was cheaper. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> so, but that's how it was in them days, you know. And uh, to be honest, um, 
a pro who played for Mansfield, a bloke called Dudley Roberts. He signed me autograph when a few players um, walked by me. And I thought, when I'm a pro, <laughs> you know, when I'm a pro at 11, I'm thinking about being a professional footballer. I'm never going to refuse uh, autographs and I'm also going to respect the supporters and I'm also going to do what I can for them. And if you if you talk to all the supporters that clubs I've played for, I do that. Well, that, that link between supporters and players is massive. It's like the key thing, isn't it? We've seen it at Chesterfield now recently that there's a, a link between the pe- the players and the fans again. Well, you've got to remember, I mean, in our day and age, I think it's a bit different now, Dave, with, with, with the modern players and everything. You know, they're more protected and everything, obviously because of social media and stuff like that. But in our day, you know... The, you know, the lads you were at school, we used to come and watch you, you know, they were working down the pit and in the mills and you was lucky enough to be a professional footballer running out and entertaining your school friends. Well, I used to entertain them in classroom because I was a bit of a, a, a school fool, if you don't mind. <laughs> were you always kind of up top then, up front then, when you were playing? I played up front all the time, yeah. But in America, I played at the back quite a bit. I mean, my uh, my debut playing at the back in America uh, for the New England team then was uh, to Mark Kazdenya. I don't know if you know Kazdenya. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing player. I tell you what, I did well against him, but it was just like it was like you've got to be on your metal. And uh, but playing fullback when you've been a striker is dead easy, to be quite honest. <laughs> for me, the accolade for a footballer is when the when the fans take to you. You know, I've been voted uh, Player of the Year at Chesterfield. They are Liverpool. You know, when I was at Huddersfield, uh, you know, which we'll go on to talk about. And uh, I was a young player there, doing really well. Uh, I got select. I went to England trials. I got selected. We had a five aside before we flight to Switzerland. And uh, Glenn Keeley tattled me, and. Uh, I did my ligaments. That was it. And they brought um, a lad called Keith Bershin in, who was all who was on the train going home. And they brought him back, and I was I ended up in Huddersfield Royal. That's football, you know. The, the it's uh, it's a cruel thing, fate, isn't it? And but it happens, but you accept it. You know, it's part of the game. Yeah, it's it's funny. You you mentioned Robbie Earl a bit ago. There was a quote from him where where he said. Uh, uh, all the crowd could see he was going to put a fullback in the railway stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that was part of your game then, you know. I was a big, strong lad, and mostly the Cray Twins up front. And uh, funny story is, I think we played at home and we beat somebody 4-1 crew, I think it was, or might have been Portsmouth. I can't remember. And anyway, uh, we annihilated him. Me and Ernie up front, we were just battering him and like, you know, we knew we'd got them after the first 10 minutes. And uh, after the game, John McGrath, the right character, I've got the Cray Twins up front. They under for me, the Cray Twins. Anyway, you know, I don't want to be a Cray Twin, but anyway, that's it, Gaffer. Uh, the next game, I think it might have been away at Chester. I mean, Ernie, like, it was terrible. We went from the Cray Twins to the Dolly Sisters <laughs> <laughs> overnight. <laughs> That's football. 
Only as good as your, bat- as your last game, I suppose. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, well, that's how it was. I think with Robbie, with that quote, it comes from uh, when I made my debut home to... Uh, um, it was a local team. It could have been Shrewsbury. I'm, I'm terrible like this sometimes. And uh, it was one of them slippery surfaces. And the keeper threw the ball out to the fullback. who the gaffer in his, in his pre-match talk said they'd only got one danger. And that was this fullback with the wrong throwings. Well, the keeper threw the ball out and miscontrolled it. Well, I was in like a ball in a chai shot. Boom, got him. Right. Fair tattle, strong tattle, but he went in the air, come down on his shoulder, and had to go off. And all I could hear is McGrath going, that's what I want. That's what I want. It was a total accident, but <laughs> you become a cult hero because of things like that, which I have become at, at Port Vale. I've been voted, done a, I think, in the top three cult heroes, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a thing in the shop as well with me. I've got my hands in the air, number nine on the back. And I just love it. You know, things like that, that they put at the side of it, wear the shirt with pride. So I must have done something right, man. I? Yeah. You know, when you've got that in a shop window, your picture, and you're giving it that. I, I did like that, to be quite honest. Yeah, brilliant. So, and that's not being arrogant. That's not being, oh, I like to, I just think it, whoever thought of that, has obviously seen me play and knew what passion I played with. Because I did play with me uh, heart on my sleeve. I went out, gave 100%, and uh, that was me. Well, and that's exactly why I started this podcast in the first place, because you kind of realise when, when you're a supporter that it's the, it's the players that you watch when you're growing up or when you're younger that, that kind of make you feel something, that keep you engaged with a club, even if you go through a rough spell. It's actually the players that you've idolised or chanted or whatever that actually keep you interested and keep you involved and keep you proud. So it, it's it's important, that kind of heritage of a club, isn't it, and the players that are playing well, Exactly, you know. Every time I score, I speak to the, the crowd and everything, and uh, I think there's a good one on the internet when I went to um, when we beat Darlington. I went to the crowd and the thing collapsed. You know, things like that, but, you know... You live the passion together. Well, I used to with the fans, you know, it's, it was just an amazing feeling. You scored at the cop end at Saltergate, which to this day is still one of my favourite grounds. And, uh, you know, it's straight over to the cop and they're there and you can see, you can see the joy in the faces of what you've given them and you think, God, what, what a job I've got, you know, making people happy. It's just fantastic. You do get some shouts, especially away in that, and I used to get lots of stick and, I used to think, if you're giving me stick, I'm doing my job. Lovely. I mean, there's a quick quote here. Um, I played at Barnsley, Fruddersfield. And I've had uh, three one-on-ones with Peter Springer, England goalkeeper. And to be honest, it's keepers like that, you can't see anywhere. You tried to do him and he saved one, went through again, he saved another. And next thing, I've gone through again. I thought, I've done him. And I hadn't. It got over and just tipped it out for a corner. Anyway, a, a little dog run on the pitch, a little Jack Russell. And all I heard with Barnsley fans, the Barnsley fans shouted, get that dog off a pitch. The next thing, a, a, a fan from Huddersfield shouted, leave it on and take Newton off. <laughs> <laughs> Class, isn't it? You know. at, the, at those points, do you try, do you try not to, not to uh, oh. kind of take any notes? No, you used to engage. Yeah, engage. I mean, I've had 
I've had loads of things like that. You know, I can remember playing at uh, Hereford. I think that was when we went up. You know, that's one of the games that got us promotion. Mm. Me and Steve Spooner scored, I think. And uh, I did this trick and I tripped over myself. I must have, you know, really naff and daft. I fell right against the, you know, the uh, where, the, where the supporters look over, you know, the billboards. Yeah. And this woman's looking down at me. And she said in that Erefritter accent, she went, oh, Newton, she said, I bet you can eat your own weight in marzipan. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I don't like marzipan. So you're having a thing, you know. I've had one where they threw a pie up pitch at Portsmouth. It hit me straight on the shoulder. So what do I do? It's an old pie, I pick it up. Because I'm you know, a bit of a character, you have to, I like to do that. But it took a bit of the pie and it was red hot. And I mean red hot. Can you imagine it sticking to the roof of my mouth? So I thrown this pie away. And I'm trying to get the pie from the roof of my mouth. And the, the Portsmouth, was going, Portsmouth fans are chanting, you fat. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, there's, there's all sorts of stories, Dave, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So you actually, like you mentioned, you started your career at Huddersfield. So how, yeah, did, that, how well, did that all happen? Well, I was playing in the local league. Phil Walker was in it. Grisovich, uh, Gordon Cowins. Players like this, I played for uh, St. Michael's Colts. And I must say, uh, these people who do these kind of jobs in, in football, these youth teams and these youth team coaches, you know, we've got a great, te- we've got a great youth team coach down at, uh, academy coach down at uh, Chesterfield at the moment, Neil Cluxton, is fantastic. But these guys are worth the waiting gold and, and the wives who wash all the kit and everything, you know. This is why I embrace in football. I love it because... These people, I've got so much respect for them. And uh, the guy who got me to play for St. Michael's Colts at Northampton was a bloke called Sid, Sid James, what he loved. It was brilliant. And it was a fantastic coach as well. You know, he, he knew how to talk to different players. And I played in that youth league and uh, I actually held the record for scoring uh, the most goals in one game, which were uh, 33. 33 goals in one game. <laughs> That was for that was for Northampton, uh, well St Michael's Colts, because it was named after the church. We used to get changed in the church, and it was against Hillstown. It bowls over. Do you know bowls over? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was that. It, it, it was. It, I felt really sorry for the keeper and that. But uh, then next thing we got knocking on the door of the coach, uh, Harry Buchanan from uh, Shybrook, wanted me to go there. Brian Clough could have gone to Derby, could have gone to Forest, could have gone to a few clubs, but uh, I've been training with Huddersfield and I've become friends with all the lads that we've that we became a very successful youth team side. We got to the FA Youth Cup final against Tottenham. We drew one all the way. I scored and we got beat one uh, 0 at home, which was you know it was disappointing, but that's football. And uh, the reason I didn't go anywhere else. Is because I just love Huddersfield Town. It's one of the fan, most. Uh, it's a fantastic club. It's just it's just a great club, and the fans there were brilliant. And going back to the the thing when when you um, when you're in the village and you want to be a footballer, well, sometimes it has its drawbacks because you know you you get just a level above the other lads, and sometimes I'd see them walk by my house and not call for me because I'm a bit too good for them. So I'd just go and practice on my own. I used to think. 
chuff you, I'll just go and an old wall at back of our garden. I just go and practice my skills there. Never bothered with them. And I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit strong-willed and I'm determined when I put something in my mind. And you mentioned that injury at Huddersfield then. So that kind of, was that a bit that of didn't confidence? Me. Yeah, well, that, no, no. We have the best treatment and everything. The confidence was, and the disappointment were not, not playing in the England side that won the Mini World Cup in Sweden, in Switzerland. That injury at Huddersfield, yeah, it does, does knock you back. It does do your confidence, but, you know, you've got to come through that. Uh, it, it took me two years to get over that, Dave. Two years, you know. And it's a, it's a, it's a long time out of your career. Yeah, exactly. It's a big setback, it, isn't it? And I mean, you well, ended up... Well, you doing... know, I'm, I made my debut at 17. Hmm. Yeah, and you ended up with about 50 games, was it, for Huddersfield? Something like that? Yeah, I would have played... I would have played a lot more. I would have played probably 200... Because I was I was in the team regular, and that 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 just takes you out of the equation, don't it? Mm. And they sign other players, they come in, and you've got to battle back. And I had a I had a setback with the injury, you know, about a year and a half I was okay, and then was doing practice, just me with physio kicking ball, and I kicked the floor, boom, back to square one. So you know, disappointing, but end of the day, we're in a job I loved, getting the best treatment. You know, and you, you crack on, don't you? Yeah. Who did you really enjoy playing alongside? Were there other players that you just really liked? I, I played alongside some of the best. I mean, Frank Worthington played, you know, uh, up front with Frank. I'll tell you a funny story. I was an apprentice and I was in first team. So you still had to do your job. And Frank, we'd, we'd all come in in his club suits, tie up here, you know, all smart. And... Uh, discipline you have to do your job and Frank our Frank's apprentice so Frank walks in cowboy hat on shirt undone down here Alvis medallion on cowboy boots jeans tucked in and I'm, I'm just a young lad like you know and I went to, Frank were brilliant though. absolutely brilliant and he says uh, he come in come down corridor through thing. he says I says uh, Frank, what boots are you wearing today? You know, what studs, Frank? He went, and I went, don't ever call me Frank again. And I thought, God, what have I done? He says, I'm telling you, never call me Frank again. I went, what should I call you then? He went, call me Frankie, baby. <laughs> it was just class, I was like, you know, what I used to do, in changing room, his warm up, he used to put his shorts on, his socks and his boots, and never, never put his shirt on. And he used to keep, he used to come in about 10 to 2, put his boots on, get a ball, and just keep it up till we went out, even through talking. Mm. And he could talk to you. He'd that banter, catch it behind his head. You know, if you're talking to you, then flick it up. We tried it, we'd be taking. Polystyrene tiles off the roof and everything. Great bloke. I mean, there's some there's some great players at Huddersfield when I signed Colin Dobson International, Dick Wiki International, you know, Jimmy Lawson, Frank, uh, Terry Poole, Chesterfield lad, uh, from Man United. There's they're a great squad and a great club, you know, just fantastic. Nice's throw. Was header Gowling under it. Worthington's um, Worthington now from Gowling's header and Worthington. And what a beautiful.
And then it was, was it Hartlepool then? You went to, went to next? Uh, Huddersfield, yeah, yeah, that, Hartlepool, what happened is, uh, you know, come back and they were signing players. You know, we've got some of the old youth team players there, Martin Fowler, Man United had come in for, Peter Hart, who's now a vicar, played for Warsaw a lot, you know, played about 600 games for Warsaw, Martin Fowler, Blackburn, Alan Sweeney, and, uh, you know, Dick Taylor, goalkeeper. Great players, all these players. But uh, they were signing other players, Huddersfield, who couldn't, um, who couldn't lace my boots, you know. They couldn't. And I thought, right, first chance I get, I'm going. I told my dad, who didn't know anything about football, he went, well, I'd stop at Huddersfield. But being pig-headed, a young teenager, I uh, played against Hartley Pooling Cup. I didn't, I didn't one of these games where you can't do anything wrong. And they come in for me. They busted the bank at about 15 grand, I think. And I went. And uh, maybe I shouldn't have gone, but I did. And uh, you can't regret decisions. You just have to, you know, you have to stick by your own decisions. But there's a funny thing when I was aside for them and uh, I got the train up and I was walking to the ground and uh, just walked from the station. Next thing, a tractor comes, full of manure on, mate. Comes up, this bloke stopped, he went, are you the new centre forward? I went, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, he went, I hope you bleep a lot better than this one we've got now because he's bloody useless. I went, yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know him. Who is he? He says, it's Alan Gold. He's useless. He said, uh, that's why they bought you. I says, uh, okay. I says, who are you? He says, I'm the chairman. <laughs> Driving tractor and farmer, you know. Because <laughs> obviously you travelled around a bit and been a few different places. How did you usually work it? Did you have like a base? Somewhere, or did you move and go and live in various places? Lived at Harleypool, which was great. Brilliant place to live. Uh, when I went to Port Vale, we bought a house. And then I got, we were just about to move in. I got, funny enough, bought a house at Harleypool. I used to live in a flat, club flat. We bought a house. Uh, Harleypool sold me to Port Vale. Bought a house at Stoke. Just about to move in. And Port Vale sold me to Chesterville, so... We decided that it would be a good idea to get somewhere central because no matter where you go, you know, you can travel and clubs usually put you up. So that's what we did. We got a central base for, for the kids to go to school. And obviously, um, you know, that, that, that worked out for them. But I went to America, which a lot of people, you know, a lot of people know and don't know. Uh, I went and uh, I went for three seasons and Hartlepool got a really good amount for every season I was there. And it saved Hartlepool from going out of the league. Mm. You know, I went to New England team and uh, was on by Lipton T. And, you know, that was a great experience. And there's another story there, playing at Lincoln. And uh, another, I was on fire. And we beat Lincoln 3-1 away. I scored two. One of those games, couldn't do anything wrong. You get games like that where you can't do anything right. Well, anyway, I'm coming out of the changing room after, and at Sinsel Bank, old Sinsel Bank, you used to have to walk across to go into the players' lounge. And I'm coming out, the same chairman on the tractor, he used to wear a trilby with a feather in it, he went, uh, I want to word with you, Newton. <laughs> I went, what for? I thought, what have I done wrong? 
Newton, come over here. This is outside. I says, what? What's the matter? He went, I've just sold you to America. I went, what do you mean? He says, this knowing, he got, I think he got name wrong, New England something. He says, I've just sold you to them. You go in there. I went, I don't want to go there. He says, I've just sold you. You're going. Where it went, it was a long deal. And I think it was about £60,000 a year. He says, uh, well, I've sold you. That's it. I went, I don't want to go there. He says, uh, I've got you, £1,100 a week. I went, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> so I had a great, great three seasons at uh, New England where I scored quite a few goals. Noel Campbell, Dennis Violet were the, were the um, manager and coach. And some great players there. You know, we had Tony Brown, West Brom, uh, Kevin Keelan, next Norwich, Jack Carmichael. We had internationals, Cater from Portugal. Uh, uh, no, Cater from Mali, sorry, but we played in Portugal. Artur, we played for Portuguese, you know, uh, national side. Jean-Pierre Tocato, everything. I could tell you loads of mm. funny stories about them. We'll do that one day. We'll have a funny story day. <laughs> What's we'll have a funny what? story hour. What was it? What was it like in uh, in America? What was the standard like? Because obviously, at that time, they were getting a lot of like big names, weren't they? And uh... well, you know, people often ask me that, and I'll tell you. Let me let me just go through some players who you play against: George Best, Cruyff, Neeskins, Beckenbauer. You know, Johnny Rett. Uh, I can go on and on. You know, there's just then players don't become bad, bad players overnight, and they don't become losers uh, because they're playing in North America. It was hard, you know, you're playing Grinitsa. All these players, you know, they were unbelievable, unbelievable to play against. You're not on the pitch and, you know, you, you, you stood next to Johan Cruyff. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, one minute you've been playing at Crew, next minute you're, uh, you stood next to Johan Cruyff. Was, was the temptation never there to kind of like, oh, should we swap shirts? <laughs> Can I be sure? <laughs> I did swap shirts with Cruyff and again an American lad called Dennis Witt, which I sometimes regret about that. But that's all right. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a uh, there was a, a lad who played for Hartlepool, Peter Carr. He had to mark Cruyff that day, and I felt really sorry for him. Honestly, we beat we beat him actually. We beat him uh, beat him in the shootout, and I scored. Uh, I don't know if you know the shootout, thirty five yard line. You get 10 seconds and to beat the keeper, I was pretty good at it. I just used to make him an angle. Boom. So, uh, you know, like that. But yeah, Peter Carr, he, uh, he was sweating. He was sweating like a pig he was when he came off the pitch. There's a funny story where he, <clears throat> I was in America, got big locker rooms and he's, he's next to me, but about two yards away. And he went, he had big ears and he was really a goofy old Pete. He went, Newt, he says, that's me in that programme. Well, programme was a book. It was like massive. They were unbelievable. And I went, oh, there you are, Biff. He's doing my Biffo. I says, what do you want programme for? He says, what do I want programme for? He says, uh, I'm going to have a look through this to see if there's a picture of Johan Cruyff to see what he looks like. Because <laughs> he'd been skidding him all night, you know, doing the Cruyff, Cruyff lift over and everything. Yeah. But there's a, there's a story 
there's a story uh, in Tony Brown's book about me there as well, playing New York Cosmos, 92,000 there. Uh, not, nobody believed me. I don't think you'd believe me, but I scored an header, right? <laughs> I did score an header. Right. And uh, what's happened? I'm playing against Beckenbauer. And obviously, Beckenbauer, just different class. So I thought, I want to mix it up with him. You know, that's the only way I can I can do it. Ball up, mixing it up. That's how it were. He's moaning, you know. He was a gentleman, but he did call me an English pig and all that. <laughs> Another one up there, boom, have a bit of that. Anyway, this is this is in Tony Brown's biography. Tony, Tony Brown was Bomber Brown from West Brom. Brilliant player. Assistant lads, hang another one up here. He's gone. He's blown. And he's blown. Beckenbauer. So I've gone across him and he's, he's fell on both knees. Remember that I was still an Hartlepool player, like uh, the American club paid 60 grand a season for me. So by all sense and purposes, I was still an Hartlepool player. So this is in Bobby Brown's book. You know, just had a living. And Beckenbauer fell on his knees. And he said to me, he went, because I've been roughing him up, he went, I am Franz Beckenbauer, West Germany, and Bayern Munich. And I kicked him in the ghoulies and says, Bob Newton, Hartlepool United. <laughs> so I can't remember it, but it's in the book. So maybe it's true, maybe it's not. It sounds like it could be true. <laughs> it probably, probably is true. <clears throat> and I come to Chesterfield, my hometown. Uh, Bob Pepper, who worked, uh, the secretary, loved Bob, and uh, I, I agreed a deal, a bit of money in my hand. You know, it's all right. The money was, I think, it was about five five grand or something like that. Just Bob, um, well, where's my sound feel like? You know, I won't don't get it wrong. Well, that's how other clubs have done they do deals. Uh, Bob, Bob, uh, well, we'll get you next week. Oh no, it don't work like that, Bob. No, it don't work like that. You know, uh, I says, well, when you get if you've got money, if you got all money, whatever, then we can do a deal. You know, if you make a deal with somebody, you make a deal, don't you? And uh, suddenly they found it. Strange, isn't it? They found it within 10 minutes. <laughs> but that's how it goes. But, you know, playing under dunks and that, Kevin Randall, God bless him. My best friend, Kev. And uh, we had some great times. We had some real laughs at Chesterfield with dunks. I mean, dunks, some people think uh, dunks is a bit miserable and all that, but it's not. It's so funny. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I had him on the podcast and he does seem to have a good... A good well, yeah, he's got, got a demeanour about him. I mean, we were playing it all the shot, all the shot away. And uh, what happened? Uh, they put the wrong strip in, right? They put the red strip in and they play red at home. So we had to borrow Farnborough Town strip or white, which were actually better than ours. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's one of these nights what I used to love on evening kickoffs like this, damn... Bit of drizzle, floodlights on. Oh, it's heaven for a footballer. Do you know what I mean? It's heaven. It's just like, ah, oh, come on. Anyway, so we kicks off like, next thing, been given 10 minutes, I'm on the far side. Don't, you know, all I can hear is dunks. I've got the ball and I'm surrounded by three players. Give it the winger. Give it the winger. And I'm... I can hear him, and next thing I've got tackled, ball's gone out of play, and I've got up, looked up, 
And there's a guy walking around with the white overalls on, one of them things in front of him, selling pies. I went, Gaffer, it's the pie man. He went, do you want to give it in? <laughs> Hilarious. Another one I got done at Bristol. Uh, this full bike, I sorted him out, but he come back on, and they were, they were quicker than ever. And this full, this full bike, who I'd sorted out, he come back on, they were quicker, but then he did me. And I had to have 40, uh, 46 stitches in machine. Wow. Right, so this is 10 minutes before half time. So it goes off, right, and uh, I'm, on, I'm on treatment table in the medical room. Doctor comes in. In fact, in fact, Kevin Randall were looking at it, right, I says, I'll be all right, Kev, just put some, just put some tape around it with my shin pad. He went, are you a complete idiot? <laughs> I went, yeah. He went, anyway, where's this bloody dog, doctor? Where? And he was stood behind him. And he went, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, Kev's going, oh, sorry. So, so he puts these stitches in. Yeah, great. So I jumps off the bench. They all bursted because... He'd put facial stitches in. Get back on the thingy, so 45 more stitches in. And by this time, lads were having a cup of tea. And I goes in, you know, expecting a bit of sympathy off dunks. And he's uh, going, and he says, ah, are you all right, Lou? I went, yeah, gaffer. He says, that's a pity we were playing a lot better way, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I went back on and scored, though, so that were all right, wasn't it? Oh, there you go, then. Did you score twice on your debut? Is that right? Do you know something? I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to come dead honest here, Dave. I did. And I only, if you'd asked me this question last week, I would have said, you'll have to tell me. But it was in the driver's room because I wait for Gist, the big logistics company, which I love. It's a great job. And um, I was talking to lads, it's not Spyrites in there, Forest fans, Chef Wednesday fans. We have a great banter. We all have bets with each other and everything. And what Taggy was a, a spy right through and through. He says, Do you know you made your debut against him? How many scored? I went, Tom Caster at home. No. Where were you then? He says, Rochdale away, he scored two. And I looked it up and they were right. So, you know, and I played against Big Joe Cook that day. Oh, Joe. Joe, Joe said it was Friday. It was Friday, you know what I mean? But it never fripped me that much, but it could give you a good wallop, Joe, could down again. But I did uh, I did score two, and they were pretty good goals, actually. But, and I'll never forget this. One of the fans were on pitch, and it was a, it was a quagmire, right? And I have her over to him, right? You know, like this. And he's come, and he's, he's tried to stop, and he's, he's gone by me, like a downhill skier. <laughs> he's, gone, he's gone sailing past me. Unbelievable. I'll never forget that. But, you know, it's actually strange. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, and playing away on your debut and scoring, fantastic. What? I mean, what? I only took penalties as well because nobody else would take them. You know, <laughs> I'm not taking you. What, what was it like then? Just so, obviously, it was a. It was like a, a, a bit of a dream, obviously, to sign for like a, a hometown club. So, I mean, what was that whole period like signing and settling in? Yeah, 
I'll uh, tell you what it's like. Playing for old towns like playing for England, every time you pull that shirt on, it's just class. It's the nearest thing to playing for your country. It's got to be. You know, again, your community. You know, we're tight-knit uh, tight community around here, as you know. You know, we love town. We love Derbyshire. And I love my mates. You know, they're all, most of them working-class lads in pits and, like I say, then in mills and whatever. And I used to love playing for them and make it, you know, it made me proud knowing that I'd made them proud, if you know what I mean, yeah? Yeah. It was just fantastic. And I used to love it. Put it on, come on, I can't wait to get that. So just get out there and get, come on, let's play. I used to, I used to say to the ref, you know, how long to go? I used to say, 10 minutes, I used to say, can't you make it half an hour? You know, <laughs> wanted to play longer. Love it a minute, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say John Duncan was a great coach, along with Kevin Randall, you know, and they had the changing room. And when I first signed the first year, it's playing me behind the front too. I mean, it was hard work, but I enjoyed it and I enjoyed playing for Dunks. It never included me in any of the uh, free kicks or anything like that, you know, corners. I just used to say, go where you want, you're uncoachable. <laughs> so I just went where I went. And uh, the first the first season, I knew we weren't quite good enough, which you do as a player. The second season, I thought we've got a right chance here because we had we had good lads. We had Steve Baines at the back, Les Hunter, uh, who was the right back. Uh, I think it was Barry Stimson, and uh, I mean one of the best players for me for Chesterfield of all time, Sean O'Neill. Mm. You know, and then in midfield we had we had a good midfield with Spooner, Kendall, Steve Kendall, what a player. You know, John Matthews up front, me and Mossy and Phil Brown. I mean, young Phil Brown was, he'll tell you, was very lucky that he made his debut up front with two seasoned pros, like me and Ernie. And we looked after him and it, it gave him a bit uh, a bit of leeway to do his little bit of magic, which is only slight, but what a player. So did you feel then in that championship winning season, when did you feel like, was there a point when you thought, oh yeah, actually we've got something good? I thought from, uh, Seriously, now I thought from the word go. Yeah, from the word go. I think we beat Aldershot at home, two-one. Me and Phil Brown scored, and uh, I just knew we looked strong. The thing is, if we went, if we went one nil up, we was hard to peg back because we knew at back we were so strong. The keepers. I mean, we had Jim Brown because Jim played in America when I was there as well. He played with Cruyff, Jim. Uh, and then we had Chris Marples, Jed, because I give everybody the nicknames, as we said. I had Jed Clampett, you know, that's who he's named after. I don't like that saying, strength in depth. We had good players who could step into the, the breach of it, you know, so that was pretty good. And we, we, had, a, we had a good coach with, uh, with, with Kevin Randall. You know, he, he, was, he was a lot of the brains behind the coaching and that. And... Uh, John Dunks, he'd tweak it and they, they got on well together. And, you know, they, they worked well together. Yeah, John Duncan was saying that they were both, they both had kind of similar starts as managers. So they were kind of a perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were what they had, they had different, different views on the game, but they gelled. When them views were put together, they gelled. So, it's, it's, you know, it's... It wasn't only good for them, it was good for the club and it was good for the players. 
dunks were great with me. He just let me play. And that, that's all I ever wanted to do. I was never your um, tactician, you know, stand here over there. I had this intuition. I used to like to go to the near post, score a lot of goals there. But, you know, to be honest, free kicks and all that bored me. Bored me to bits. You know, it wasn't my, wasn't my thing yet. I used to run us around um, Kelsey's and all around there. I'd love that, you know. But five sides were all right. I don't know what too keen on them. But put me in a shirt on a Saturday. And boom, I was I come alive. That's it, yeah, yeah. And you played virtually every game, didn't you, in the championship winning season? I, I think was, I did, yeah. I think it was 45, I, I think. 45. Yeah, I, got, I was banned for one, wasn't I? I think I got sent off somewhere. But um I remember coming off against Wrexham as well, another one we uh we care this is a funny story as well. And this lad had done me. You know, we've been having a battle, we've done me. Mm. Fair play. And I've, I've not been over the touch to the dugout. I was, I was struggling here, Kev. And I never hardly come off. Don't be something. Kev went, what's up? I went, Uncle, look at it. And it was swell, you could see it's, it was swelling as we were talking. And we got, came in that elastoplast stuff. Mm. Well, the club doctor, used to give us a prescription to get them because they couldn't afford them, right? So I'm there, I says, well, try it with elastoplast on them. So I took me, you know, they took my sock off. No, they put it over the sock and he's pulling it tight. And I went, oh, Kev, I went, oh. oh. He went, do you know how much this stuff costs? <laughs> I went, oh, I better go back on then. He went, yeah, get back on. I went back on and scored two, <laughs> you know. I think one was a pen, but you know, do you know how much this stuff costs? And we had a, I'll tell you another one, we had a um, ultrasonic machine in the um, in the physio uh, room. And people used to go in for physio, we'd be there, yeah, yeah. Kevin put some uh, deep heat on your injury and they'd give it the old uh, up and down. How's that? Yeah, that feels great. That feels great, Kev. Except for Wacky, they told you were injured. You're either fit or injured, and Dunks used to tell him that. You're fit, Wacky, this week. There I am. You're injured when we was at home or away. I can't remember which way it was, Dave. Anyway, Kevin, Kevin been using this uh, ultrasonic for a season. Blah, blah, yeah. Okay, we're feeling heat through the, uh, the stuff he put on, you know. Then we find out. It didn't even work. <laughs> oh, placebo. We're getting ultrasound, placebo. You know, oh, hilarious. One season for an old season never worked. <laughs> what, what, were, what were the celebrations like then after winning the title? Well, we won. I think we won the title at Peterborough away, didn't we? And they took they took the families down on coach thingy on. Uh, they took the, yeah, the families went down on the coach and we, we drew up Peterborough, I think, nil-nil. And um, there weren't much of celebrations. I think the club said they were going to stop uh, uh, somewhere and treat the families and the players, but it never materialised, mate. We just came straight back. Don't know why. Well, I do, but I would, you know, people at the top, I think. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 
Did you uh, did you keep your medal and stuff like that? Is is that all stuff? That you... Yeah, my grandson's got that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're fetching a few bob, aren't they? Apparently, they probably are. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. Old yeah, part with that. That's like winning a World Cup medal, isn't it? You know, Chesterfield. You know, brilliant. We deserve to go up that year. You know, mm. we deserve this medal. We worked hard for it, and you know, the players and dunks and Rando from great. Yeah, and obviously you moved on, didn't you, after that season? Um... Yeah, I went, I went back to Hartlepool. But the thing is, when I played Chesterfield, what, what had happened is I'd got, I'd got a couple of injuries and I'd got a really bad one. I'd got what you call a patella tendon. There, so my patella tendon. Hmm. And what I did, in hindsight, I should, have, I should have rested it for two months. But I kept having injections. And, you know, I know Dunks might listen to this, but the management... Never stopped me having them, but it was my decision in the end. I had them, and what happens that I don't know if you know about them cortisone injections, they rot your tendons. Right. Well, we're, we're playing at Burnley, and um, I got the ball out wide. and I went to you know, I put your leg over the ball and just do a shimmy. I mean, just my knee went, and uh, what happened is my patella tendon was just completely snapped. So they sorted that out and I think that's the reason they let me go they thought I was a bit injury pro you know but uh, the funny thing we're at Burnley as well the lads when we go to change room I'm there and they're doing this and uh, they said what's up now I said you know I think it, it hadn't completely snapped it, it's torn I said oh, my, my uh, patella thing is gone and one of the lads chirped up he says now, it must have been shocker beating the fullback now. <laughs> you don't get no sympathy in the changing room, you know. Definitely not. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I went to Hartlepool. And to be honest, that injury plagued me through that. And then I got glandular fever while I was there. So that don't tell, which, uh, you know, that, that wasn't a good return for me as a, as a player when you, you're used to uh, giving it your best and not missing games. Having to miss games and being off for a while, that was that wasn't good. I didn't like that. And what, but I still got the respect to Hartlepool fans, which just say because I got voted player of the year and that. And no, I'm player at, hmm. I've been have that player of the year twice there. Yeah. And uh, I think player of the 80s, was it? Yeah, player of the eighties, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's something else, isn't it? You know, Dave. You know, when when people can vote for you like that, lads, you know, who pay the good money to come in and and they respect you that much that they're going to vote for you like that. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Did, have, did any of those injuries kind of stay with you throughout the years? Because I've spoken to loads of loads of uh, former players and stuff that all kind of struggle with various different things. I'm, I'm quite lucky. The only one I have is is my back. Uh, played for us for the Chef Wednesday. Went round the goalkeeper. Just rolled it in, and the lad who was chasing me, a big centre half called Cyril Cussack, six foot eight, great lad Cyril. He's tripped over the keeper and landed both knees in bottom of my back. So it didn't break my back. And that's all I have it from. I mean, I, I walk six or seven miles a day with the with Archie. I'll show you Archie in a bit. Mm. We get him on the phone, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I go with him. I've just, I've, uh, I've got the cross trainer up in spare bedroom and I've done some weights today. So I like to keep fit. I'm, you know, I like to 
I'm a strong man and I like to I like to keep that way. Like I say, I'm on a dry jam, so I'm uh, I'm going well. But you know, keeping fit, people don't realise how fit you are when you're pro. And I don't think you realise yourself, you know, what it takes to get through a game or a season. I mean, I've seen lads with horrific injuries, and it, it's 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 ended the career. You know, when I when I look when I lament about the uh, England one, you know, doing that. Hey, I was a lucky one. I managed to play again, yeah. you know, and have a good career. Some lads aren't who got injured, done, you know, and they want to serious as mine, but it's just that they couldn't recover from them. Not because I'm Superman or all like that. It's just how the cookie crumbles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, it is. Yeah. You know, and when we talk about we talk about players, when you talk about how things can turn for you, whether you make a pro, whether you don't. The lad called Les Robinson, Googling, played, I think he played 700 games for Oxford, right? I remember we were playing at home. I don't know who it was against. And uh, I was just going up to the players' lounge. And funny enough, I was the last one walking up. My wife and uh, children were up there. And I just come by the boot room and I had some sobbing. So I went in. I mean, I... From my Huddersfield days and Frank Worthington, I also looked after the apprentices, Jamie Hewitt and all that. Tell them, you know, if you ask them, they'll tell you. I mean, I'm Mickey Taker and we all used to wind them up, but, you know, they were brilliant. Anyway, I heard this song, so I went in, couldn't see nobody, I looked, and there's this lad crying. There was a lad called Les Robinson from Shybro. And I says, what's up, son? He says, uh, I've just been told uh, they're not signing me as a pro. I thought, what time to tell him, you know? Why don't you just let him stay at home or whatever? I says, all right. And, you know, it's difficult what to say in that situation. I just says, come on, I'll get you left home. So I went up to, to um, Plesla, I just says to Karen, I says, just wait here, I'll only be uh, 45 minutes. I'm just going to nip one of these apprentices back home. So I nipped him down and we just had a good chat all the way down. And then half an hour after, because we're a bit later, like, and I said to him, look, you have to believe in yourself, Les. You've got it, mate. You know, you undoubtedly, I would put my money on the line that you will play in football league for a long time. And they did. And funny enough, I come back to, to the players' lounge, and it was still pretty full and singing. And Dunks were there, and I said, yeah, Gaffer, can I have a quick word with you, please? He says, yeah, of course you can do it. I says, I talked to you in your office. So I says, what, you know, nothing to do with me. What you let this uh, lad Robinson go for? I says, it's different class. His heads and shoulders above anybody else. Yeah. He went, well, you know, this, uh, this is it. So, you know, people make mistakes in gaming. You've seen it different. Um, that's just a story to show, you know, if anybody's listening to this, young boys, believe in yourself, mm. right? Believe in yourself. Do it, believe it, and then do it. And uh, Les went on, and he, talk, he talks to me in this group at Mansfield, Les, who's now living in Cotswolds, obviously, you know, Oxford. And he also says to me, that that talk we had, Newton, in your car, he says, that's, what's in, that's what inspired me. And that makes me proud. Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me, you know, a bit, a bit tearful as well. What, like, looking back on your career then, what's... What do you consider like the important things looking back on your career in terms of how you've 
how you were or how you played or what you loved? How I played. I played. I think we skipped on that earlier. Played with me uh, art on my sleeve. Gave 100%. Didn't always play well. And what, what I did as well, I know I keep going into it, I respected the crowd. You know, I can remember John Matthews coming in after one game and John was so talented, it was just unbelievable. He had more skill than all the team put together. And he came in one day, half-time, and Compton Street had been giving him some stick. And they come in and they were, the company, old John, they were a great lad. He went, you know, them bars giving me stick in that. I went, I'll tell you why they're giving you stick, John. I said, some of them lads have been on them terraces, right? Some of them blokes have been on them terraces for 60 years. They've got the sons with him who's been on them 20. They've got the grandsons. I says, they know a good player when there's one. I says, and they know when a good player is not giving his best or giving it all. I says, they're not daft, you know? And he went, you know, I says, if you go out there, you give 100%, all them lads will take to you. And he did listen to me, and every game after that, he lost a bit to his skill game because he, uh, he was a touch player, but he started tackling people and getting in, 100% chasing balls. He went from boo to, mm. you know, and it's all about having that rapport with crowd. You know, some players haven't got it, they won't even know what it's about. Because they are that selfish, you know. Oh, it's all about me. You look at me, you know. No, it's about these people who come in. Football to me, when you're playing, and you can play 90 minutes. You're playing 90 minutes with them people. It's 90 minutes of your life that you're sharing with with people who share the same passion about football as you. And and now you've still got a, a really good association with the club, haven't you? So, I mean, that must be nice to still have that now. I enjoyed it. I love Chesterfield, you know. It's my hometown, Spy Rights. And like I say, we've got we've got some of the best supporters in the country. But so, you know, so have Hartlepool and so have Port Vale and so have Newport and so have Thingy. They've all got the hardcore people. And I respect them all, you know. Even then we get a mistake, you know. I'd love to have a pint with me shake. I say, come here, you know, look, we're just human like you, you know. Because you do get that. Um, that thing, which is it's only natural, I did it. You look up to your, um, you look up to pros, and you think, wow, you know, there's something else. No, you know, we all go home, we all go home, and we like egg and chips, you know, and bread and butter, and a cup of tea, and you know, watch Coronation Street and watch Emmerdale, you know, and then care about the result if you've got B, you know. I would never want them who got down though, Dave, because I, I think that would. Uh, a detriment to you, you know. If you got B, you've got to try and put it right next time and just come out and do it. I mean, I didn't, I went, when I was top scorer, uh, well, I was top scorer both years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I were, I, I think I didn't scored for 12 games. We're playing Colchester away, and Kev Randall got me just as we're going out. He went, Stop, stop back a minute now. I went, All right, Kev. And uh, I thought, she want to give me a bollock in this one. So he just says, no. He says, you're getting in all positions. He says, it's just not going for you. He says, just keep doing it tonight. It'll come for you. I scored a wonder goal. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't stop scoring after that. Well, Kev were good at that. They were good at spotting you. You know, 
and you get a bit worried when you're not scoring as a striker, but you just got to keep going. You know, the same as players. They're only human. They do lose the confidence. And we all know what it's like when you lose your confidence in any form of life, in any job. You know, you start to you start to question yourself, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I've had loads of strikers on, and they're, they're all kind of speaking in a similar way, really. Of, of just like, if I missed it, I just say, right, forget it. Next one, next chance, next chance. I suppose that's the only way to the only way to do it, isn't it? If you're going to be successful. Yeah, the next one will come along. It's a bit rough when you when you screw through uh, two or three rap posts. <laughs> oh, I've got another one. Well, they just keep going, and uh, you know the lads are there for you. We all we all all going together. I mean, I've seen some good bust-ups in changing rooms. Don't get me wrong, I've seen them fighting and everything. It's quite funny. Wrestling on floor while Gaffer's giving speech and he's watching. <laughs> Go on, carry on. You know, it's hilarious. Half of what it goes off, you won't, you won't believe it. But yeah. all in all, you know, being able to say that you've been a professional footballer, somebody else in it. You yeah. play for your own town. I don't care about Man United. I don't care about you know, Liverpool, even though they're great teams and that. I play for Chesterfield and that'll do for me. This is Archie. Hi, Archie. <laughs> We're walking a bit, aren't we? He'd have, centre- He'd have been a good centre forward. He's a Patterdale. <laughs> You'd have been a good centre forward, wouldn't you, Paul? <laughs> Top man. <laughs>